0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our week one Chicago Bears post game show. The Bears just fell 10 3 in a low scoring but very uh, annoying game, is going to be how I'm going to put it right now. I'm Russ Littlewit. I'm instantly kind of breaking this down, and secondly, I'm pretty pissed off, and I'm sure you too, listening at home, kind of feel the same way. And of course, tell me break down this Bears loss, the 0 1 Bears. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. You know, we asked uh, all offseason, let's get to this day. This is the day we've been looking for. And they did not come here, at least on offense, to do
1: much of anything. Are you as pissed off as I am, Nick? You know what? I'm not even so much pissed off. I'm just more so disappointed in the overall performance of that offense. It literally didn't do anything. The only man that really kind of showed up was Allen Robinson, Outside of that, maybe David Montgomery had his flashes, but he wasn't even a part of the offense in that second half. So it it was just a very disappointing day from the – three points against the Green Bay Packers. I know it's opening night. It's very sloppy, but come on. Three points, that's pathetic. It's pathetic to see from that that Bears offense. To, what are they in the 200s now, the second phase? It's crap. That's, that's what it was tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean are you buying that 200 thing now or I mean it looked like they went backwards. It looked like they got de- like they went they got demoted.
1: Yeah, I mean when you go into what? First and 40, you are definitely you were literally going backwards as an offense. I mean, that was just atrocious from top to bottom. The offensive line, I mean, we'll probably break it all down, but there there was no signs of going showing progress of going into the second phase of this offense, Matt Nagy in year two, that wasn't seen, you know, tonight. It was awful.
0: Yeah. Awful is the perfect way to, uh, sum that up, Nick, but let's just dive into the first quarter of our show. We need to begin with my monster moment of the game. And for me, my monster moment in this tough, Nick, it really is. They made it so damn difficult for me to pick a monster moment of the game because, in the past of this show, the monster moment is a moment where the Bears look like a team that can you know, return to glory, become the monsters of the midway. And an offense, you didn't get any of it. So I can't even go with anything over there. Defense, they played good, but it was kind of all for naught. And if I'm looking at you know, any instance, I mean, I can go with a handful of plays, but they all have the same weight to me. So I'm going to just get an overall tie for every time they're able to sack Aaron Rodgers on third down because it happened multiple times. Obviously, neither of them impacted this game in a way that I was hoping for, in a way that you were hoping for. But all of those kind of tie for me for my monster moment. I don't think I've ever done that in this show. But this kind of like this is—they had more punch tonight than they did during that Jimmy Clausen game against the Seahawks. I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I really am. And usually I try to find silver linings here, but there's not one splash play on defense, one splash play on special teams, and nothing on offense that can be a true monster moment. Uh, So for me it's going to be a handful of decent plays that the defense did. Kudos to them. We'll talk about them later on the show, but it was all for naught because the offense did not come here to help them out. But Nick, I'm going to go over to you for the Moriano Minute.
1: Yeah, so for this one it has to be about how bad the offense was and just how especially on third down they were incapable of doing anything three of 15 there were two instances where they had third and one opportunities and Matt Nagy decides to get a little too cute with those kind of plays when it's short yardage situation, throw a pass out to the flat or wanted to with Trubisky that doesn't get picked up. then you have Cordell Patterson in the backfield as a running back, James Daniels completely misses his block and it's tackled uh, behind the line of scrimmage. They aren't able to convert on those short yardage situations. And you just think with this bears offensive line, they're able to get that push, but it was really a third down play. Uh, you know, for the entire offense, the entire night, just not those two plays where they didn't get it, pick it up on first down on one yard away, but that's just. Does a robot
2: know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
1: It's, again, inexcusable for any offense, and especially for the Bears, that we are expecting so much from. It's just a rant about, again, how bad the offense was tonight.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is going to be, I mean, the first half of the show, Nick, it's just going to be you and I griping about what the offense did. I already feel it coming Uh, for you listening. uh, Prepare for it. I'm sure you feel the same exact way, like I have mentioned earlier in the show. But let's head into the next segment of our first quarter, which uh, I have two names here that I'm between Nick. We've been working through it all off, well, preseason. I'm down with two. Both of them came from a listener, Anthony. I want to thank him again. I thanked him through email, but I thank him again for two great names. If you're in the comments, let us know. I'm sure you're not even really giving a hoot right now because of what you just watched, but uh, we have the Bear Racer moment or the Midway Mulligan. Either way, is a moment of the game that we kind of want to just take back and get rid of. I'll go ahead and go with mine. It's going to be the second delay of game that could... Put the Bears potentially apparently out of field goal range. I don't know. I thought 51 yards was in range of Eddie Pinheiro, but obviously Matt Nagy didn't think so. Uh, ended up going for it in fourth and ten in a game in which you're only down at that point. You know you're down by four, and I get it. But there's so much time on the clock. You still make that a one score game. You never know what that can do in terms of changing the momentum. But instead, you go for it on fourth down. Uh, Mitch ends up getting sacked because the offensive line didn't give him much going on. Mitch couldn't get off his first read. That's pretty much a consensus of the game on offense if you want to sum up in a sentence. But I would delete that entire sequence because, to me, that could have changed the game. Because after the Packers got the uh, uh, touchdown—no, sorry, the field goal later on in this game to make it a seven-point game, it could have only been a four-point game. And then when you're going down, a touchdown could have won it, uh, which changes the mentality. So for me, that's the moment— that I would change the entire sequence, that second delay of game, even though you shouldn't have had two, shouldn't have one to begin with. But Nick, what about you? If you had to change a moment from this game, what would that be and why?
1: I'm just gonna take a, I guess, fun approach at this. I'm gonna take away the Packers' touchdown somehow and okay. now it's a three to three game. That was all that really beat the Bears. A just a floated pass in the back of the end zone to Jimmy Graham, and they it, look. Credit to the Packers. They took advantage of Ha-Ha clinton Dix not being on the field at that time. You put in Deion Bush. That's exactly where the ball went. Jimmy Graham on Deion Bush. And the Packers get the touchdown that, you know, was the winning point in this game because the Bears could not, uh, you know, muster up any type of offense to put another point on the board. And that was really the game right there. That one play where the defense led up. It started off with that 70-yard pass earlier in the game or earlier in that drive. Deep pass sets him up, and the Packers score, and that's all they needed It was one touchdown. Erase that. Who knows? They're probably still in overtime. Probably <laughs> going to go tie. Did you see? I think it was Madden. They did a simulation, and the, what ended up happening was the Bears and Packers tied because it was just that no one could score an offense. You know, had that touchdown not been there, might have been the same result.
0: Interesting. All right. Uh, Good good thought there. I like the fun. We need the fun because it's really hard to find any right now. Uh, Let's go over to the state of the game here. My state of the game is going to be... I'll go with a positive one. I have a negative one as well, but I'll go with a positive one. It's going to the defense. Five sacks that the Bears were able to get on Aaron Rodgers. ties the most they were able to have on him in a single game. Actually, the record was set last year in the last game in December. Uh, And they also were able to draw four holding penalties. So that's like nine positive plays by that Bears front seven to really kind of tip your hat towards them. So that's going to be my stat of the game. But, Nick, it's time to kind of hand out our MVBs for this game. So over to you first. Who's going to be your most valuable bear here in week one?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to give it to my guy that I thought was going to be the MVB in the preview show. Uh, That's Leonard Floyd. He ended with four total tackles, four solo tackles. Uh two sacks, two tackles for loss in the preview show. I said he my bold prediction was two and a half sacks, a safety and a fumble recovery. He got he almost covered the sacks, but I thought he had a tremendous game, and even when he's not when he wasn't getting after Aaron Rodgers, you saw him at times in coverage, able to guard Mercedes Lewis, not the you know, most potent guy at the receiving position, but was able to stay with him, you know, disrupt the pass there. I thought he had a really good game because Look, Mac had his moments where obviously he could have had sex, but he didn't register one this game, and he obviously is, he made his presence felt, but was expecting a little bit more out of you know the highest-paid defensive player in the league, and I thought Leonard Floyd had a really good game tonight.
0: He did. He was one of them on my short list for MVB, so since he already took Leonard Floyd, I'll go offense here, actually, and I'm going to give it to Allen Robinson. I mean, he had himself a day, seven catches, 102 yards, averaging about 15 yards per catch, and he was that guy that Mitch had a lean on, and you and I talked about that in the pregame show as well, that he needs to step into that role, be that guy, and we started seeing it today because it seemed like everyone outside of Robinson had a hard time doing much of anything as a receiver. I mean, Cohen had more catches. He had eight to Robinson's seven, but he only averaged six yards per catch, and a lot of those were dink and dunks, little short passes into the flats. Allen Robinson is making great catches on the sideline, fighting you know against those DB to make some really tough contested throws. So for me, Allen Robinson looking healthy, looking like that guy who we know he can be, that number one type of wide receiver, to me he's going to be my MVP for offense. But Nick, I think you're probably right when you say that Leonard Floyd was the MVP in this game. And for a little while, I think you and I probably had Roy Robinson Harris on our shortlist of uh, what he was able to do Early on this game, but we'll talk about there later on in the show. But that's gonna do it for the first quarter of our first post-game show of the season—a very somber one at that. But before we break down the Bears' offense in the second quarter show, uh, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing sites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek is a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. It rates each on a scale of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. And of course, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. All of us here at the Chicago Wild have the SeatGeek app on our phone is by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets throughout the years. Earlier today, I was looking at the Bears-Chiefs game, the game we're going to. Still plenty of amazing deals left if you're looking at joining us later on here in the season. And here's the kicker. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. And All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code again is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. righty, you're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm Harold wit I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And it's time to jump right into the second quarter of our show and talk about the Chicago Bears offense that just... Didn't show up to play today. Only three points. And Nick, uh, during that little quick sea break, you and I were talking. There's a couple of other things here, like what is Virginia's birthday? Starting off the centennial season. I mean, it feels like this offense
1: regressed 100 years uh, in, <laughs> in an off season, doesn't it? It really does. It just it doesn't make sense, especially with what we saw in training camp. What Matt Nagy has been talking about, saying that this offense is not going to be rust with with not playing in the preseason. Well, it looks like maybe they needed some preseason reps because what they put out there tonight was unacceptable, really. You cannot have that performance. If a team only scores 10 points, you should be able to put up more than that to win a football game, especially with all the weapons the Bears have on offense. Come on. Allen Robinson-Taylor, I, look, Anthony Miller had, I think, one target. There was only one time. It was towards the very end of the game. Where he's finally targeted, I bet you he's so frustrated right now. Him mm-hmm. having the personality that he does, uh, I, obviously that whole locker room is. But it's just unacceptable to see an offense that has everything that it does, and Matt Nagy as a head coach do what it did tonight. So yeah, regress a hundred, a hundred years is about right because they just didn't put up any points, and you know you probably would see a three to ten game back way back in the day. All right,
0: so I have a handful of talking points that we could talk about here on the offense, unfortunately for you and I. Uh, let's go ahead. And I think tonight it's all going to start with Matt Nagy, head coach, play caller. A lot of questionable decisions. I talked about one in our Bear Racer, Midway Mulligan, whatever the hell we're going to call it, moment here. Next week I'm going to solidify one, I promise. Um, but what went wrong? Was he getting too cute? Was Because it felt like a couple of things. One, his play calling wasn't on par and two he was being outsmarted it seemed like Green Bay was always one or two steps ahead knew exactly what was coming their way did you have that same sense because every time the Bears wanted to do something it felt like Green Bay knew exactly what was coming
1: well, they knew exactly – well, I wouldn't say every single time, for, but for, for the most part, that Packers defense was you know, in positions to make plays and not allow anything over the top. And That's where I thought Matt Nagy should have been attacking more. You saw early on in the beginning, it was more of the short passing game. And it wasn't even trying to establish screen plays, which they had implemented here and there in the offense, but they were like screens off to the side, not your traditional – Hey, let every uh, let these pass rushers come through the middle, then throw right behind them. You didn't really even see much of that, so it was just strange to see from Matt Nagy not trying to attack again those middle linebackers with your running backs. Those are your strengths of this offense right now because of their depleted uh, position at at the defense for the Packers. So it just I thought that would be the game plan going into it, but it just wasn't the case for Matt Nagy. There was one play where. Uh, the Packers have a nickel corner blitzing off the edge. It's free. Trubisky has no what, nothing that he can do. He has to just throw the ball away. There's already a down. There were too many wasted uh, opportunities for this Bears offense, and they just couldn't have that on this night because they were incapable of doing much of anything.
0: Yeah, uh, looking here at some of the post-game press conferences, Nagy's at the Pony right now as we're speaking. Number one, he shared your word, unacceptable, and he says it starts with him. Uh, And his priority for this week, uh, just in case you want to know, Nick, it is to learn how to score points because apparently (laughs) uh, three points is, and I quote Nagy here, ridiculous. Mm. I mean, yeah, but, yeah, I don't even want to jump into that right now. But getting into Matt Nagy a little bit more, again, for me, it just seemed like, A, he was getting too cute in a third down. I mean, you can talk about both of the third and ones when David Montgomery, should just it should have been an easy call. Just give the ball to the rookie, who was averaging about four yards per carry at the time, and then just make it simple. But the first time, you try to get Cordero Patterson the ball. Defense swallowed that one up in a hurry. And then the second time, you do a quick play action, and you want to throw the ball over to Adam Shaheen, who we know can't get open that quick if there's a guy on him. He just is not that type of player. So for me, Matt Nagy, his decision and his play calling, I mean, those need to be worked on so much. And it felt like, you know, he in the preseason, if you don't remember, gave play calling duties away, right? He did it for Mark Elford for a game, he did it for David Ragon for a game, and and on top of he taking some time off, the players took a time off. And I think that, in hindsight, which is twenty twenty was a recipe for a disaster, and I think that's the disaster that we watched unfold tonight. He wasn't in the groove calling plays. The offense obviously wasn't in the groove getting in and out of the huddle, doing anything of that nature with the back-to-back delay of game calls on that same drive, and there's too many times when they're getting out of the huddle way too late. The clock was down to 3-2-1, and Mitch too, and I'm going off topic here, but Mitch he wasn't even paying attention. The offensive line was like pointing at it, and say play clock, play clock, and like Mitch had no idea. There's three or two seconds, and it's ridiculous at this point of his career in football in general. He should be much more aware of the play clock,
1: you know. And and on that play, yes, Mitch doesn't notice that, but Nagy he has to notice that as well. He call timeouts. Obviously, he can call timeouts. Someone needs to just do that so you're not moving back five yards. I just don't get that. How mm-hmm. no one's taking initiative to, you know, want to better the offense. It, both of them really just did not come out to play. And I, we might as well just talk about Mitch Trubisky. I thought it just seemed like he was, I don't know, like the moment was a little too big for him at times, to be completely mm-hmm. I honest. I warned you Which
0: of this is, on Thursday. Uh, th- yeah, Thursday. My week's off. On Tuesday.
1: Yeah, it just – it seemed like it was a little too big for him, and he should have been realistically picked off three times this game. And, of course, it was Adrian Amos that gets the pick that kind of did the Bears in. Of course it was, but, again, a terrible decision. There's two – there's a safety over the top staring down in one direction. You throw that ball, it's going to get picked. Should have gotten picked by – what was it? Jair Alexander or Kevin Kevin King, but Cordell uh, Cordell Patterson – you know hits the ball out it's like what is mitch looking at i thought this is a guy in you know first one at the facility last one out knows this offense knows where he should be throwing the ball to well there's three instances this game where he definitely should have been picked off the other two he did get picked off one of them so i guess it's the first game there's going to be hiccups but come on i mean i know where he's looking he's looking at his first read and that's it yeah, there's not there's not very much of the head movement kind of going through the progression with Trubisky. I know it's the first game, but you expected to see a lot more out of him tonight, for sure.
0: No excuses. I mean, they've said they've been preparing for this game for weeks, Nick. Weeks. And this is what you come out with? No. And even on the one interception that did happen late in the game, he's still staring down Allen Robinson. That's the only place he wanted to go with that football. He didn't give the defense any opportunity to even keep them honest, and it's Oh, it's frustrating uh, as a fan, someone that, you know, you you want to believe in the kid. You really do. You want to believe he's taking these steps. They feed it to you all offseason long. He's in 202. He's becoming the smartest quarterback in the room. He's taking over. He's leading this offense. He's doing good things against this, with this offense against the Bears defense in practice. Where is that Mitch? Where is that Mitch? That's my question after watching this entire game, because that's not the Mitch that I've been told was blossoming under Matt Nagy this offseason. That was not the case. And I know it's one week. It's a long season. But as of right now, I'm concerned. I really am because this felt way different than the loss last year. Last year was a meltdown on defense, a meltdown a little bit on offense, and Aaron Rodgers is going nuts. This was the offense being incapable.
1: Incapable is the perfect word. And look, last year, that opening drive, that offense takes down the field and scores a touchdown. It didn't look like that at any point. Whenever the Bears had some positive plays, maybe there was that catch, a reception by Robinson. There would be plays that take it right back, whether it be a penalty or you know a miss, uh, just communication with the receiver, whatever it may have been. This offense didn't look in sync whatsoever. Whatsoever is just off. So I I just don't understand.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the running game or the lack thereof too, because that's another issue I believe. Uh, who tweeted it out? Mm-mm. I'm trying to, uh, Jonathan Wood. Okay, I want to make sure I give credit for this. Towards the end of the game, he was keeping track of how long it's been since the Bears ran that ball. He had over 30 straight plays without a single run. And the game was a one-score game. Clock wasn't a factor for the majority of this, but they had 30 straight plays without a run, not counting a Trubisky scramble, but a designed run play. And by the way, the Bears are now 1-7 when Mitch throws at least 35 passes or more in the game in Mitch's career. He had over 40 passes today, 1-7. When he throws over 35 passes in a game. Uh, So getting back to the running game or the lack thereof, obviously we saw some really good things from David Montgomery early in this game. I mean, he was quick and decisive with his cuts, uh, you know, really quick feet, finding a way to make break tackles, everything that we knew that he could do. And then it felt like Nagy forgot he existed. Did you have that same sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking you know, six carries, eighteen yards, and look, the offensive line didn't help much tonight, but I think there's just times where I'm like, when is David Montgomery going to get into this game? Like I said, in the second half he just disappeared and that's a guy that can make that can, he can create on his own he doesn't need a perfect hole to gain yards like some maybe maybe mike davis or even a you know Tariq cohen i think he just likes to go horizontal than he does vertical when he's trying to maneuver around people no david montgomery can make people miss in you know a very close quarters. And I thought he just should have been in the game a lot more. And you saw him even in the passing game, having that nice pass, that nice reception down the middle of the field. Yep. He can stretch the field vertically in the passing game. So why not have a versatile threat out there? I know he's a rookie. I know you have two guys that are veterans behind him at the running back position, but he gives you the best chance and the best options on the offense right now, even despite being a, you know, first year player didn't get that, Uh, I'm sure Nagy will go back and watch this and wonder why he didn't do it himself. But it just – look, a lot of things just don't add up as to why they happened tonight because Matt Nagy and this offense should have obviously been a lot better.
0: What's alarming is these are some issues in every essence that we've talked about, no matter what it's been about Mitch or about Nagy and the play calling or execution in general. These are issues that we had last year. But it seems like they took those issues – and compounded them all into one game. It felt like a whole season's worth of issues got condensed and squished into this entire 60 minutes. And I mean, you need to figure it out because there were times last year where, you know, we'd have a post game show and we'd question a play or two for Matt Nagy or a throw or two for Mitch, maybe even a couple more than just two throws for Mitch. But now it's like the entire game from all these aspects. I'm confused. And I know everyone else is, and it's aggravating because i believe we all feel like we could have done a better job which i'm not saying that we could have because we're not in that situation we're not nfl head coaches we're not nfl play callers but it feels so much more simple than what they try to make it out to be because it's overly it feels like he's in his own head and he's like overcomplicating everything that he's doing and i don't know why i don't know what but it needs to get fixed and if he's going to do that he's going to derail and ruin you know this offense if we continue to just play too cute or overthink situations. Third and one. You have a running back that's averaging four yards a carry. Give it to him. Give him the ball. It's not that hard. It's real simple. Even if Green Bay is expecting it, Montgomery can break a tackle too. He can get you three feet. I promise you, he can do it more times than not. That's not Jordan Howard back there. That's David effing Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> Nick, let's talk about the offensive line because they're not, you know, you know, their hands aren't washed clean of any of this whatsoever. They struggled too. They had penalties. They were giving up early pressure to Mitch, not picking up blitzes. James Daniels struggled in his first game at center, something that we were kind of confident that he wouldn't have a game like he did today. But there are times when he's getting beaten off the ball in a hurry. He's, you know, grasping at players because he's a little bit behind, leading into some holding. The Bears were one of the least penalized teams on offensive line last year. And tonight they really struggled. Are you going to give it more credit to the Packers here? Because they did a good job. Or are you going to give it to the offensive line, not living up to their standard and playing to the level that they uh, should? Which I believe you can probably go both ways here to some degree, but which are you going to put more weight on?
1: Man, I, I have to put more weight on the Bears' offensive line because that's supposed to be a good unit. Especially coming out at home, you have these penalties. There was a sequence where Leno Jr. had a hole the next— Next play has a legal hand to the face. I mean, and then you see James Daniels early on just not able to, one, you know, anchor down the middle of that offensive line. There He did have one good block that Montgomery was able to, you know, gain some yards on, but overall, as a unit, you just wanted more from them. I'm um, surprised uh, Neil Massey from Zedarius Smith, there are times he's just getting overwhelmed. Zadarius Smith's a big guy, but so is Bobby Massey. And, you know, he got paid not too long ago as well to be a guy that can. Stay upright and give running lanes to these running backs. Keep Mitch Trubisky comfortable in the pocket. There are times where I thought maybe Mitch should have definitely stayed back there, but there are times where people are in his face. So, yeah, this offense – I'm going to put the more weight on the offensive line because, look, I know the Packers have a couple good players on that defensive front, but this Bears offensive line is far better than how they performed, you know, tonight. And just with the penalties, a sloppy play, I know it's the first game, but, again – Going back to the word, it's inexcusable, especially the just the atmosphere, the the this is a huge event and the bears just didn't show up. Yeah. I mean, all day long, like when
0: I was getting ready for this game and I mean, it was a long day waiting for this kickoff. It really was. I was so excited. I know you woke up early and had to go to the gym. You were just that antsy. I mean, yeah. I felt I felt honored that, you know, the Bears get going to be in a game like today and Chicago gets to be in the spotlight. The city gets behind the team. You have all the other sports teams getting behind it. I mean, you're doing things that you saw in the 80s with, you know, different buildings, really sporting and repping this Bears team. I mean, now it's, it's just embarrassing on the national stage yet again uh, to have a game like we did today, especially on offense. It's the same old thing, right? Great defense, no offense. I mean, we've been Bears fans our whole life, and that's pretty much all that we've ever really gotten to know besides one year where we had a really good offense and the defense went away. but. Getting off subject, getting back to the point, uh, I just have a couple more points that we should kind of talk about here on offense. Uh, and I just want to start with uh, Trey Burton. Obviously, he went through warm-ups today, and he was unable to give it a go. How much did his absence, you think, impact the offense today? Because obviously, the Bears didn't really have any production from their tight ends today. And there are a few instances out there, like when Mitch wants to go over the middle of the field, where you can envision a healthy Trey Burton really helping out because he was that guy for Mitch last year, somebody he can go to consistently and get some decent production out of. How much do you think the Bears miss Trey Burton tonight?
1: Yeah, uh, Will, you hit it right on the head there. I think that's where you didn't see a lot of passes over the middle, especially right behind the linebackers, not too far behind, but that's where Trey Burton operates, right in the middle of the field. You run that RPO to suck the linebacker in, and then, boom, hit that little quick pass to Trey Burton. But with him not being there, it just didn't seem like – Matt and Nagy wanted to call a lot of plays for a Ben Bronick or even Adam Shaheen to just sit in the middle with a you know a little curl route. That just didn't happen very often or Matt or Mitch Trubisky didn't even look that way. So I mean, I guess look, it shouldn't be that Trey Burton affects this offense this much, but you see the wildcard game, that offense wasn't the same without him. You see this game clearly wasn't the same. Three points is all you have to show for it. But if your focus, if your offense is revolving around one player this much, This should have been addressed somewhere else. He should have picked somebody up, should have elevated somebody from the practice squad or something, because this isn't right, because there's too many weapons for if one guy goes down, it's going to derail everything. But it kind of seems like that thus far for the two games Trey Burton has missed, this offense has not been the same.
0: I just want to mention, since we're talking about Trey Burton, uh, Matt Nagy said that Burton was really close today and seemed optimistic about his chances next week, which it could, I mean— We'll see. We'll get there, could, right? What
1: does that mean, right?
0: I don't know. I don't know, okay? I, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, and I'm going through here in the feed, and I saw um, a tweet about Tremon Williams, a quote he said, and it is, we knew if we can get Mitchell Trubisky to play quarterback, uh, we could win. And... Oh. I get it, and I mean, I get it. I really do, and unfortunately, that's the case. And that's something that Mitch needs to change. He needs to find a way to change that narrative because if he plays like he did today, that's never going to die. It's never going to go away. Not only will fans believe it, but opposing defenses are. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of
2: those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's
0: protect it. You're going to believe it, and that's a recipe for disaster. He needs to find a way to take over football games. Change that narrative because, again, if not, I mean, it's going to be a very long season. All right, Nick, final thing on offense. We just talked about all of the issues. I mean, there are so many. I don't even think we hit on every single one specifically. We did a pretty decent job, I would say. But if you need to find a way to fix this, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, fix this offense in one week. You have Vic Fangio coming up and the Denver Broncos. It doesn't get any easier, Nick. How do you fix this offense in one week? I'm Obviously, you got to simplify it, go back to one-on-one. That's at least what I'm thinking of off the top of my head. But what about you? How do you fix this offense in one week?
1: Whew. That's the that's the question. Well, I think – I don't even know if it's – I think it's just Matt Nagy has to put Trubisky in better situations. Even if – he. Oh man, but then again, Trubisky has shown at times that he's incapable of even uh, pulling through and executing these plays. But I think Matt Nagy just has to get – he has to get creative and not like the creative, like third and one bull crap, like creative in terms of, I can get guys open down the field and get an easy pass for Trubisky. Because if like Williams was saying, if we can get Mitch to play quarterback, we know we'll win. Then you need, you need someone who's just going to be able to make the throws that any quarterback can make. I mean, that's, that's what it's kind of feeling like right now. Maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but I think it has to start with Nagy just putting everybody in better positions to succeed and putting them in opportunities to make plays on the field. But that's, I think, I think that's the best approach. I don't know if that's (laughs) right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I I understand where
0: you're coming from, Nick. For me, I believe it's going to start in one area of this offense. And if you don't fix it, it's never going to happen. And that's establishing the run. I mean, not one running back in this team had over 20 yards on the ground that's sad i mean we have mike davis who's capable david Montgomery, who's capable uh you have terry cohen who we know is capable cohen never had a carry he had an opportunity to have a carry to start this game <laughs> drop that ball drop that opportunity
1: that's, that's, we should have known
0: from right there that, that was the game that game, was the yep. game but yeah not when mike davis is your leading rusher with five carries for 19 yards you're not going to have any other success on offense. I don't care if it's Davis with 40 yards, Montgomery with 60 yards or something like that, but you need to find a way to get close to hundred yards on the ground. And this game was a low scoring game. There's no reason why the bears could not find a way to establish a run because they had a decent amount when they did attempt to run. They're averaging, you know, about three and a half, four yards per carry, depending on the time of the game, you got to find a way to establish a run. And if you do, We've talked about it countless times in the show. If you can establish a run, it opens up the passing game. I mean, that's exactly what happened with the Packers, right? They kept running the ball even though it wasn't working. And then on the Rodgers, when he was able to go down the field, what worked? play action. The whole defense got sucked to one side of the field. He had time in the pocket and was able to make a deep strike down the field. Those are the things that the Bears need to do. Today they didn't have those opportunities. The defense knew Trubisky was going to drop back to pass because he did it 45 stinking times in this game and only was able to complete 26 of those for 5 yards per average on a throw. So that's where we're at on offense. Any final thoughts Nick or do you want to forget about this offensive performance as much as I do?
1: Uh, all I know is that right now, what was it earlier today or yesterday I put out the predictions for you know the bears getting completely destroyed in the mentions right now <laughs> that is that's that's funny. going great, yeah, yeah but no, I,
0: that's it. Okay. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about my Floyd projections that I put out there. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, (laughs) Nick and I, we're going to just shut up about the Bears offense. I don't think you want to hear about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But before we jump into the third quarter of the show and take a look at the Bears defense, uh, I do want to remind folks that we're going to take a couple questions here in the fourth quarter. Uh, So if you have some questions that you want us to answer... Uh, definitely, we'll give our best go here. I'm assuming they're going to be some uh, maybe malicious. We'll see. I'm, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm still pretty heated here, and we're about halfway through this show. And usually uh, these podcasts are therapeutic, and I calm myself down, but tonight's not really the case. But let's go ahead, let's jump right into the third quarter of our show, and let's talk about the Chicago Bears defense that really did a great job today. Any day that you can keep Aaron Rodgers down to 10 points on offense and three of those points came I mean came late in this game as well and they found a way to make a stop to give the Bears offense another opportunity in this game. The defense did its job today, and it started right from the very beginning. I mean, they started off this game giving the Packers 3-3 and outs. They had negative negative 17 yards on the first two drives, which is the lowest ever in Aaron Rodgers' career when starting a football game. So, Nick, uh, we'll just start off big, general stuff, and we'll work our way into some specifics. Why was the Bears' defense so good? Is it just everything that we've already known? Because it seemed like they picked off right where they were uh, last year for the most part.
1: Yeah, and I think what really helped the defense is getting down into those third-down situations where they were third and long and not third and short, and the Bears were able to just have those pass rushers do what they do best, get after the quarterback. Roy Robinson-Harris, Leonard Floyd, get those back-to-back sacks on those uh, consecutive third-down attempts by the Green Bay Packers. That's exactly what you want to have your defense, that opportunity to just go back and just disrupt this offensive line Get Rodgers off his mark and get the sack. That's why they were successful and only gave up ten points in that touchdown being, like I said, uh, lucky. It really was lucky. It just happened to be Jimmy Graham was there and Deon Bush was behind him. But yeah, it all started up front for the Bears. Roy Robinson Harris was a huge help, especially with I thought Mac not being as impactful as we've seen him. It was nice to see that Roy Robinson Harris really stepped up on, you know, prime time, and was able to get after Aaron Rodgers tonight.
0: Yep, absolutely. I mean, really, I think all the success that the Bears' defense had today came from that front seven, not only applying pressure, but also just being very good against a run just like they were a year ago. They only allowed uh, 2.1 yards per carry today. Uh, The Packers did still attempt to run the ball 22 times. Just want to put that in perspective here uh, because the Bears were averaging more and they still only ran the ball 15 times. So one other subtle jab at the Bears' lack of attempting to establish a run. But really, when the defense came out, like, where were you feeling that energy? Because as soon as they came out tonight and they were flying to the football, Roquan in particular in that first drive, but everyone, I mean, coming into the, you know, crashing that pocket, playing with energy, bringing it. I mean, that for those first three series on defense, I mean, I was out of my couch. I was excited by what I was seeing. The offense, unfortunately, ruined that emotion from me, but when it comes to this defense, were you expecting them to be that dominant, like 3-3 three, three and outs, negative 17 yards against an offense that we had no tape on, had no idea what to expect? Because that was a slight surprise for me.
1: Uh, you know what? Honestly, when I saw the defense doing what they were doing, maybe I didn't expect 3-3 three, three and outs. That's very impressive for any defense against any offense just to kind of do that consecutively, especially on the first game of the season. But we've seen what this defense can really do, take over games and just be why the Bears have won some of those games. But again, I think, you know, especially early on in the game, I was excited because I was also thinking maybe the offense could do something off of this great field position, just never ended up happening. So I, I wouldn't say I was all too surprised because i you just put – you see all the playmakers there on that defense. You knew Roquan Smith was going to elevate his game going into year two now with uh that defense and just being around all those guys but yeah it was very great to see encouraging for sure um but again they just had one slip up with the the 70 yard pass and that's what ended up you know doing them in but yeah it wasn't i guess too too surprising because that defense is really good when you only give up 10 points to the green bay packers at home like i said earlier in the show you should be able to win that game like nine times out of ten Right, and for the most part of the game, if you take away that touchdown drive, I believe that
0: touchdown drive accounted for about 30% of all the yards that the Packers had tonight. night, that one drive by itself. So outside of that drive, the Bears' defense you know, came to play. They were really dominant on third down the night. They were only able to allow the Packers of 2 of 12 On third down, I mean, the Bears' offense wasn't much better with their 3 of 15, um, but actually that may be worse if you do the math. Um, But anyway, uh, 2 of 12 on third down for the Bears' defense was really impressive. Like you said, they put the Packers in third and long situations, not many favorable situations for Aaron Rodgers, and when he had to make a throw on third down, more times than not, he had someone right in his lap coming in hot because the Bears' defense was getting after him in a hurry. So looking at some of these guys, Uh, Let's talk about Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, those outside linebackers right now. Because Leonard Floyd, I mean, he didn't have a sack through, what, 12 weeks last year? It took him until about December to get his first sack of the season. And he had two tonight. Would have had three if there wasn't a a penalty on Kyle Fuller. But Leonard Floyd, what did you see out of him? And what are your expectations for him this season? Because I think, based off of what I saw... I'm more optimistic about what he can provide as a pass rusher this year than we've seen in a long time out of
1: him. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the key with Leonard Floyd, especially in this game and where he's come from early on in his career, is just the relentlessness and the pursuit that he has when going after the quarterback. At times, if he's stopped dead in his tracks, yes, maybe he's going to try to maneuver, try to basically hand fighting with opposing offensive linemen. No, now he's trying to go, if the first move isn't working, Here's the counter move. So mm-hmm. that's what we wanted to see this whole entire time from Leonard Floyd. And it came, you know, to fruition in this game. And that's why he's able to get to the quarterback, you know, two times with Aaron Rodgers and sack him. But that's what you want to see from Leonard Floyd, especially when at times you're never going to win on that first move. You got to go to the counter. And I thought that Leonard Floyd did a pretty decent job with that tonight. And like I also mentioned with that pass coverage as well, that's why he's such a versatile uh you know, outside linebacker that you could do a lot with, but it's encouraging to see from a guy that is in his contract year.
0: Now, of course, when you're. No, I like, go well, real quickly. Yeah, contract year. I was thinking, you know, he always plays so damn good against the Packers. I'm like. Yeah, maybe you just want to re-sign him now because, I mean, he is a guy who knows after get, to get after Rodgers, get after quarterbacks in Green Bay, make some big plays, and he proved that again today. And it's not even just getting after the quarterback. There was that one play as well later in the game when uh, the tight end, Mercedes Lewis, kind of leaked out on a play action. He recognized it and was able to follow him, and I thank Vic Fangio for uh, that as well. You know, all the times that he had, uh, of course, Floyd dropped back in coverage. It's like, oh, yes, it finally paid off for that one play right there. That finally... Uh, paid off. But yeah, Leonard Floyd, a very big surprise tonight. I did envision him having a decent game, but nothing to the magnitude that he was able to kind of provide today. And speaking of surprises, Roy Robertson-Harris, we talked about him a little bit off and on this show, but I mean, he had two sacks today or like a sack and a half. They may have discredited that one to Hicks, but i give him a half a sack on that second one. But he had that sack on third down on the very first drive, used that bull rush as well to just drive back the lineman for the Packers and then a couple series later he had three great plays in a row that just pretty much took out that entire drive Uh, he sniffed out an end around for a tackle for a loss he got another tackle for a loss on the following play on a run and then that's the play after that on third down where he and Hicks kind of met at Aaron Rodgers to come with the sack so Roy Robertson Harris how big will he be for this defense if he can have games like this because you have a ball nickel still and secondly do you think he played so good because he actually played in the preseason and he was actually kind of like ready
1: Hey, we we may never know, but it seems like it it did help him out tonight because he – that one play where he just – what is that? I think it's Belaga. I forget who it was. He's just driving back and getting that sack on Aaron Rodgers. That was impressive. And just coming up field like you just mentioned on that end of round, I don't even know if he really noticed where the ball carrier was, but he just had those quick instincts to make that tackle in the backfield. That's that's great stuff by Roy Robinson Harris. He's taken full advantage of the Bears cutting uh Jonathan Bullard earlier a couple days ago and now getting those opportunities to get to get more opportunities on the field, took full advantage of it. But uh, I don't know, maybe the preseason did help, maybe it didn't, but it seems like I don't know, that it definitely helped Roy Robinson Harris tonight because he made a lot a lot of plays.
0: Now, Bilal Nichols was a little bit more quiet. Do you think that was due to that knee injury, I think, that he sustained earlier in the week?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't really, I guess, notice Bilal Nichols out there too right. much. I, I would definitely think that that knee had something to do with it. We don't know the severity of it. Obviously, he played tonight, Don't probably wasn't a full goal, but you would like, for at least at the start of the season, everyone to be healthy. And then he was kind of trickled down the injuries, but he's already starting off. You know, with this injury, hopefully it's nothing it's something that doesn't get worse over time. But yeah, I wasn't we didn't see a lot of Balano Nichols. Usually he shows up on tape one play, at least one, where he did, you know, in his rookie season. But I didn't really see that tonight.
0: All right, looking at some linebackers real quick, uh, I do want to talk about Roquan because I think we did see some growth out of him uh, today. I believe that we saw a Roquan Smith that is comfortable in an NFL defense, has an offseason under his belt, and was really someone who benefited from you know being in the system, going through a training camp, going through the motions, because remember last year he didn't have any of that, and now he's a year into his career, and I believe we're starting to see... You know, the beginning, I think last year, okay, last year's the beginning. We're starting to see that chapter two of Roquan, which is more like the ascent. Because, I mean, he was flying to the ball today, especially early on in this game. He did have a very bad pass interference call, which of course kind of led to the, you know, the Packers going all the way down that field, but I believe they punted on that drive, so it's kind of you know a non-factor overall. Uh, I believe, thank you Leonard Floyd for another sack, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, Roquan Smith, what did you see today that kind of gives you a lot of hope about what kind of a linebacker he can be? Because he does seem to be what we're envisioning and that being that tackling machine, someone who can play you know, sideline to sideline, but I thought we saw him play a little bit more downhill uh, than what I anticipated. Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
2: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
0: Because, you know, all the talk's always been oh, he's a smaller backer. You won't be able to play downhill. I don't think that's the case. I think he proved that he can tonight.
1: I think what we saw tonight, especially from year one or year two, is his play just recognition. You see that he's shooting gaps before these guards are being placing themselves in position to block Roquan. Well, he's already beating the guys there, making tackles in the backfield. You saw, I think it was on either that first or second drive for the Packers. Well, there's a screenplay that's set up, but Roquan Smith is able to, one, beat the offensive linemen to their spots and make a heck of a tackle. Had he not have done that huge play for Aaron Jones and that Packers offense with the screen game that they would have had. But Roquan diagnoses that probably as, before the play even going on. And that's why he's able to beat the players, the the Packers players to their spots. That's a difference that you're seeing from a year one, a year two Roquan, where I think in year one, yes, he had a very productive season, but Again, he's, I think, relying on athleticism, his speed, his tackling ability to make these plays. Now he just knows it and it's just second nature to him. And then you saw that tonight just with, uh, you know, in this one game. And that's encouraging because, again, Roquan's going to be a really – he's going to be a focal point for this defense for many years to come. And seeing him make these plays now only shows you what he can be, you know, become and sustain for the rest of his career. All right, let's go over to the
0: secondary, Nick. Anyone that you want to kind of highlight? Because I thought we saw some good things from some new guys, Buster Screen, uh, some good coverage on field. I think one of them is on Devontae Adams. You see a HaHa Clinton Dix you know, finding a way to force the fumble today. Obviously, we weren't able to recover that one, didn't get a turnover today, but you like to see the aggressive mentality going after that football. But, again, the Bears did a decent job overall, in the secondary as well, there's that one drive in which they march all the way down the field. Uh, I can kind of pick uh, you know, pick on Prince of Mukamara a little bit if I wanted to in a couple of these plays. But is there anyone that you want to highlight in the secondary?
1: So, I mean, yeah, it was pretty quiet day just because both, you know, the Packers offense wasn't much better. I, exactly. It was better than the Bears. But there were a couple times uh, where I thought Kyle Fuller was pretty close to some interceptions. And then there are times where I have also in my notes, it's like, why? I know he plays seven to eight yards off the line of scrimmage, and that's just how, that's the way he plays. He reacts, reads the eyes of the quarterback. But there are times where, okay, this Valdez Scantling's getting a five-yard hitch and is taking that for a first down because – full is just so far up it's like I think you just need to be able to adjust to who you're playing and knowing that hey this receiver is maybe not as much of a vertical threat as maybe Devontae Adams or whoever it may be but I, I don't know maybe that's just me nitpicking but you also mentioned that Prince of Montgomery was the one who gave up the big play it's a guy if he doesn't jam me at the line of scrimmage he's going to play a trailing technique and he just doesn't locate the football and I I don't know if I have to go back and watch the film, to see if there was an opportunity for that, but it would have been nice to see if he would have done that. And then Dion Bush, the one time you get into the game, this just has to be a, you have to position yourself better. Mm-hmm. Because all Jimmy Graham did was just get, he, he played basketball. He, I boxed him out, caught an easy touchdown, and that was it. And that ended up being the game winning, you know, point for this game. So when the opportunity presents itself, Dion Bush did a really good job in preseason and making the most of those come the regular season against your bitter rival, didn't happen.
0: Is there anything else that you want to mention about the Bears defense today? I think we did a good job of hitting on you know the, the big points that need to be taken away from this game. Again, they had a really good game. It does get soured by the end result, for sure, but again, to hold the Packers and hold Green Bay to only 10 points tonight, I mean, it's a very impressive feat, and unfortunately 10 points was way too many tonight.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, again, 10 points shouldn't be too many to win a football game, but Look, there were no turnovers. This is a team mm-hmm. that led the league last year with 36 total takeaways. And I th- want to say there were, what, two? Two in the uh, opener last season against Green Bay Pack. Pick six, Cleo Mack, and then the fumble strip. It should have been three with Kyle Fuller's, you know, interception right, pass could have right, won right. the game. But th- that's that's something that this defense had pride itself on last year. We didn't see any of their opportunities. Uh, they didn't capitalize on those, but – they need to make up for it. They're already behind. They're two turnovers behind they were last year at this point in the season after the first game. So I want to see those turnovers be created. And you have, you're have you going against your guy that helped do that with Vic Fanjo next week. So let's see what what ends up happening there.
0: All right. Well, with our discussion on the defense now complete, it's time to move forward to the fourth and final quarter of the show. Uh, let's begin as we normally do. And that's going to be with some talk on special teams. Eddie Pinheiro. Only person on this team to put up any points tonight. Uh, take that for what it is. Uh, so, again, I don't think we need to, you know, critique his field goal. But the only thing I want to mention on him, and I hinted at this earlier, uh, it was one of my, you know, moments, uh, the racer moment or whatever we're going to call it, but not giving him that 51-yard try and, not, and opting to go for it on 4th and 10, did that say anything to you in terms of maybe Matt Nagy's confidence in the kicker? Or do you think that was Nagy getting too cute in his own kind of you know endeavors wanting to get that first down to kind of keep that drive alive so is it more on confidence in the kicker or lack thereof or the head coach wanting to keep this offense on the field
1: you know I'm gonna give it I'm probably gonna go the way of the head coach because of how consistently the entire night it just wasn't right for Matt Nagy in this play calling in this offense and he probably just wanted to you know, maybe right the wrong with some play calling sustain that drive. But we have heard Matt Nagy in the preseason say that, you know, he goes to Chris Tabor and they, they have, they have spots or limits. Like they feel good from, you know, on this side of the field from the 45 as opposed to the other side of like 48 or something like that. Don't know if that factored into whether or not he wanted to go for it or, or obviously not elect to kick the field goal, but I'm going to give it to Matt Nagy probably just, you know, wanting to, again, do something on offense, try to sustain something because he couldn't do it all night.
0: Yeah. I mean, potentially I have no idea. I'm not in his head. I just want to ask the question because I mean, I see it both ways. I really do. For me, it's, I don't know what the harm would have been letting him at least try to get points on, especially at the end result, which was a sack uh, with Trubisky not having any opportunity there to make a play. So yeah, uh, Eddie Pinero, he's the new guy in town. He's the new kicker and he's the only one that was able to put up points on the board today for our bears. So Yay. I guess. Uh, moving over, uh, anything else on special teams? I'm not going to sit here and break down every punt. I'm not going to sit here and do anything like that. Uh, two things I do have on coverage units that I want to mention. Uh, I thought they did a really good job uh, downing the ball deep, uh, so kudos to Pat O'Donnell for that one as well. But I'm very intrigued by this Cordero Patterson as a gunner. Are you? Because his speed <laughs> is pretty incredible getting down there. There's, was, uh, I think, the first punt of the game. It was a fair catch. He was... Probably five yards behind the guy who fair caught that ball for Green Bay uh, when he caught it, which is to me incredible. He's already five steps behind him and trying to like corral and get going. But I was like, okay, that speed's going to be a factor in these coverage units. And I envision that, you know, benefiting the Bears as we go throughout this season. That's what I wanted to bring up. Anything else on special teams for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to get the most out of that two-year, $10 million deal that Cordero Patterson has earned himself here with the Bears. Uh, Another thing, just to mention early on, I noticed that the Bears elected to have two people on the gunners when they did punt return. I'm always in favor of that. I think that gives the punt returner the best opportunity to actually gain yards on a punt return. Uh, Tariq Cohen didn't really do much at that position tonight even though there were a lot of opportunities but uh, again the bears kind of went away from that later in the game just like they went away from giving their running backs the football in the backfield only what 11 carries sorry to go back to the offense no but problem. uh yeah it's um yeah that's all i have really have on on special teams there again Great. only three points
0: <laughs> well, we're going to have to we're going to have to find something cuz I forgot to let people know we're in the fourth quarter so I need to start seeing some questions come up in uh, you know our chat feeds that kind of get piped on over to me. So now's a great time if you have any questions, let us know we can answer those. Uh, let's actually talk about while we ne- let people you know type and use their thumbs here or fingers if they're on a desktop or whatever. Uh, talk about that uh, kickoff that went out of bounds, uh, obviously giving with yeah. Re- the ball to 40. Uh, I don't understand that because obviously he has the leg to go ahead and just kick that thing deep, have a touchback each and every time. I don't think that was a bad kick. I think that was a design they wanted to corner that thing and have a return come out of the corner, and it was just a little bit too short. Is that something that uh you thought of as well or I mean again we're speculating we don't know I'm just killing time here as we get some questions to roll in
1: you know that's an interesting one because like you said Eddie Pinero definitely has a leg to kick that out of bounds I would assume that the Bears just wanted to try and get the uh Packers kick return to try and return this football but I'm not I'm never in a fan a favor of those kind of plays because there's only such a small window well if you're trying to corner it on one side of the field, it takes one bad hop. Oh, you're putting the opposing team on the 40 every single time. Again, I would just kick it out of bounds. Don't even give that kick return an opportunity. Yes, it's stale. It's plain. It's boring. But, hey, you're not giving them any additional yardage. And it's just a, a guaranteed time where you know that opposing offense is starting up 20 as opposed to whatever it may be if they get a potential return. All right, we got
0: some good questions coming in here throughout the chat. I have one from a, a Levith, uh, Levathian Tra on Periscope. So we're using a Periscope oh. question here to kick things off. Why were the Bears subbing so much early in the game? Irving, Lynch, and then, of course, he had Bush there on that touchdown drive as well. My gut, and again, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the coach's uh, ears or anything of that nature, I think that since they didn't play the entire preseason, they got gassed early. I really don't think the conditioning was to the level in which you would expect if they would actually had a typical preseason. Uh, so that's why I believe they're subbing in and out. What about you?
1: You know, with the adrenaline, it's the, this huge moment, first game of the season. I think, yeah, guys are going to get a little tired, uh, more so than they would later on in the season. And you just want to see what you, you have these 53 guys on the roster for a reason. And those guys that are going to go in and fill in for depth you count on them to make plays. You saw Aaron Lynch get a sack today. He's not a starter, and he filled in well for Leonard Floyd on the one play that he went out. But, yeah, I think that's why they were subbing in. I don't know whether or not if, like, Ha-Ha needed a breather at that moment in time. Again, we're just speculating here. We don't know why he uh, Dion Bush was out there instead of him. But, again, I think it was just because this is the first game. It's a sloppy game. People are still, even though they've had a whole training camp and – you know, four preseasons where they didn't really play, they still need to get conditioned for the 16-game regular season. All right,
0: next question comes from Alexi Scott here on YouTube, and they want to know, how would you grade Chuck Pagano's first game? That's a good question. That really is. How would we grade Chuck Pagano overall? Nick?
1: You know, if you were to tell me that the Green Bay Packers are only going to go score 10 points and Aaron Rodgers is going to score what, throw just a little over two hundred yards and one touchdown? I would have said that's a great game by Chuck Pagano and this defense. Yes they didn't cause any turnovers. That's where I may have, maybe the expectations or the you know the reality of what happened with Chuck Pagano's defense is not as good as what maybe a Vic Fanjo would've done, but they did their job. So I'm happy with how Chuck Pagano this defense played you only gave up a touchdown and a field goal, but you end up losing by seven. That's that's the goal for the defense. If they can do that every week, they should be in a position to win every single game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Chuck Pagano did a really good job of you know bringing in the pressure as well from different areas, uh, doing some different looks, really confusing the Packers front from time to time. So I really thought Pagano did a really decent job here tonight as well. I see one from Coding Goals asking why they stopped running Montgomery after he was producing. Talked about that earlier in the show. We don't know. We're confused, just like you. Uh, That's a question for Matt Nagy. I believe he kind of danced around it in a press conference based off of what I've seen as well. I see a bunch of questions about uh, the offensive line and if we are starting to think they are a bad unit or not. I'll begin. I don't think they're a bad unit. I think they had a bad game against a revamped Packers front that is very good. I mean, we talked about it uh, throughout the week. They have a, you know, they brought in two new edge rushers and they came in, they came to play and they have a strong front on top of that as well. And James Daniels, I mean, he struggled more than I thought he would, but I don't envision him keeping up these all year. I think it was just a first game kind of thing. And hopefully he cleans it up throughout the season. Uh, But how about you, Nick? I mean, I don't, these are just, you know, same five guys as last year. Last year's group was great. I don't envision them being bad by any means. I just think they had a bad game.
1: Yeah, I think they just had a bad game too. That's not the that unit that went out there tonight is not what we've seen in years past. The one that has, you know, not caused penalties, that has created uh running lanes for, you know, Jordan Howard of running backs, you know, the guys that need to have a open running lane to get yardage. So this is the way they play tonight isn't doesn't reflect of what this unit is capable of for sure. So I'm not too concerned with the offensive line. Yes, I wish they would have came out and played a hell of a lot better than what they did tonight, but it just didn't happen. So I'm not too concerned with the overall unit. That's one where they have a lot of continuity among their Yes, there's a position switch, but those two, you know, it, it should, you know, factor out to that, that will be a seamless transition. Seemed like it in training camp, didn't seem like it tonight. But I'm not too concerned with that unit.
0: Whew, there are so many questions coming in. This is actually fun. We may want to extend this segment here later on in the season. I'll appease, I believe those Cliff, uh, here in the chat one. No, Nick, how long are we going to give Mitch if we, before we say he's a bust? I'm giving him the season to figure it out. I don't know if that's too much, uh, considering where he's at in this stage of his career, but I feel like we don't have any other options, so I may as well let him have his season to see what he can put together
1: yeah what what are your other options chase daniel uh oh, don't I don't
0: mean, get the tyler bray people started nick don't do it
1: oh i saw some earlier in the chat it's like just put in tyler Bray now I'm like ah i look no yeah i would have to give him a season it, i'm like lost for words here but mitch had a awful game i don't i don't anticipate he'll play that bad again but i just don't know because I don't know what this offense really is because we've been fed this stuff from the start of training camp. We've been there, and Matt Nagy has gone to conferences saying we're in the 200s now and all this great stuff and three points. Mm-hmm. Three points Your centennial year, Virginia Mercassi's birthday, this, the most hyped season the Bears have had in a very long time. Three points to show for that.
0: Okay, I one know. more, one more, one more. I've seen a couple more about the same thing. Uh, the last one I saw, and I apologize, I know other people asked this as well, but it comes from uh, N- uh, Bro on YouTube. How long do you give Nagy as a play caller before he, maybe he hands it over to Helfrich or hands it over to someone else? Does he have the humility to just say, you know what, this isn't my forte? Because he didn't do it in Kansas City. Until the end, and then we know how that ended up for him, even though I, you know, how that kind of ended up too with the whole Andy Reid thing. But regardless of the fact, I mean, does he have the humility to say, hey, you know what? I'm not a great play caller. I get too lost, apparently. And not all head coaches call plays, he can do other things. Uh, do you think that'll happen, or how long would you give him? Would you give him this whole year to figure it out again, or are you going to say, You know, Coach, maybe you should be on a short leash because tonight was unacceptable because he called it unacceptable, so we can just turn it around on him.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Man. Uh, Great questions. Great questions. Um, In terms of Matt Nagy, because there have been some games, even going back to when he was with Kansas City and took over play calling, where you're just questioning, what are you doing as a play caller? You have all these weapons. Why aren't you using them? Why aren't you running the ball more? All these things kind of add up. Again, you probably have to give him a season because he's him and Mitch are kind of you know married there, right? That's a relationship for one goes, the other's gonna go. So you have to just at least give it the season, I would think, because if you if you don't, I don't I don't know if that's gonna help ha- make Mitch better. Just getting used to someone else calling plays when you've had the same person calling plays for the past I, what maybe two years? would it be? So I I don't know. I think you give it the season. And then you can kind of ask that question again, and we'll see where we're at. Hopefully, it's a better state than this 0 one Yep.
0: Here's, here's my metaphor to kind of end this off. Okay, say Nagy is like an owner of a restaurant, and he has all these great recipes, but he's a terrible cook. So mm. him forcing himself to cook his recipes and, you know, messing them up or not doing them correctly or just not having, you know, that chef's kind of touch – could ruin the restaurant, but if he hires in a cook or brings in a cook who can follow the recipe, that can change the entire business. So that's gonna be how I kind of envision this thing going on. But obviously, there's some issues all across the board on offense. It's not just Matt Nagy, but honestly, the more you think about it, it does start with the guy calling the plays because he did not do anyone a service getting this offense into a rhythm. He didn't do it at. All tonight. And we saw a little bit last year, but tonight was just to another level. And again, maybe it goes back to preseason because he gave it to Helfrich, he gave it to Ragon and he didn't really have himself a preseason to prepare and get ready for it and get himself into a group. So that's where I think it stems from. Hopefully he goes and changes it. But Nick, are you done shuffling around your notes over there or typing or clanking or whatever the hell that was? I'm, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah. I forget that. I guess everything's really loud. I, so it, I didn't even use my new laptop that I got today. I was just so frustrated after the game. It came in a day early. Will. so it's like, it's I'm just, excited. That means you don't have to days. scream
0: in my ear anymore.
1: Yeah. Uh, apparently I'm
0: screaming. I'm very calm right now. I have you at 50%. I'm at 100% of my mic, and people still say, well, you're too quiet. And I'm talking pretty loud. My six-year-old is sleeping one room away from me here. He has school tomorrow. Yeah, people are
1: sleeping here. That's why I'm not trying to be loud. No, you're loud.
0: (laughs) You're very, very loud. All right, let's uh, wrap this show up, Nick. It's time to get into our two-minute warning. This is where we wrap up our thoughts on this game, put them in a season-long perspective. And obviously... Uh this can go a multitude of ways, Nick. So for your first two minute warning of the twenty nineteen season, where are you gonna take it?
1: it? It just starts with the offense because that's if this team does not get better offensively, and they should, it's you set a pretty low bar at three points and having what, three or fifteen on third downs, if they just need to get better on offense. They need to be more efficient, be able to put up points, sustain drives. Mitch Trubisky needs to be able to get the ball to his playmakers and not make boneheaded plays, throw potential interceptions here, you know, throwing one to Adrian Amos. So it starts with the offense, and that will dictate where this team really goes this season. The defense can be played lights out, but you see. 10 points is enough to beat a team that has a bunch of studs on that side of the ball that came out to play that, you know, had the perfect recipe to shut down Aaron Rodgers and, you know, his Packers offense, even though they are with a new play caller. It's not on them. It really isn't. They're going to do their job. And yes, they didn't get the turnovers that you would have liked to see. But it really is on this offense. We all knew that coming to the season. We just had high expectations for this offense. And look, they definitely didn't do what we expected of them tonight but it really starts out with them they need to get better and to kind of end this two minute warning i met a couple fans when i was at the hogan johns podcast live last night met a couple of our listeners as well so i want to give nick from germany a shout out and ryan nicholas from south carolina a shout out uh they both went to the game they've traveled to get here i'm sorry you had to see that but hopefully things get better all right, good two minute warning there,
0: Nick. Uh, for me, I'm not going to sit here and harp on all the things that we already, you know, really just vented on that we saw from the offense. Again, for most of you, you watched this game, you saw the same things we did. I don't need to you know, go on it one more time, but I'll just say, you know, it is a long season. Uh, it's a 16 game season. They lost the first one last year, Use it as really good motivation moving forward. I think to me, Gosh, I don't know. I'm not much. Felt worse than how we lost last year, but I'm starting to feel like this one hurts more because of what I believe in this team in terms of their potential. Because last year we didn't know what we have. This year we believe we know what this team can be, and they did not live up to that standard today on offense. Defense is an entirely different story. I expect them to just play lights out all year long. Like Nick mentioned earlier, they new do need to get back to finding ways to get turnovers. Obviously. Not having any today. I mean, having one today could have changed the entire direction of this game. But the offense itself—it has plenty of time to figure itself out. But you have to still be concerned if you're a Bears fan—you definitely do. But hopefully, they learn every lesson that they need to tonight. They have a long week to prepare for the Broncos, of course. So that should help. Hopefully, they had a lot of time to prepare for the Packers, and that didn't work out. But with that said, and yes, I used my catchphrase for the first time—probably in the first time like eight months—which I'm proud of it. Ah, uh, I mean, it's frustrating and I know it's frustrating. I'm frustrated on this podcast. You're frustrated to listen to this podcast and hopefully, you know, we go through another game week. We prepare for the next game. We prepare for the Denver Broncos. Definitely watch them this week to kind of get yourself familiar with them if you can. And then we just got to get back to work and, you know, you win again uh, or you win a game next week. You're one and one and you're right back, you know, into the thick of things. You dropped to 0 and two. Oh boy, I can start seeing some panic, you know, really stepping into myself, Nick, you at home, who knows internally in this locker room as well, but it's a long season. Uh, So I'll take a breath. It's one game. It was a scary game on offense, but it was just one game. So take a breath, relax. I know it's difficult, but we all can do it and we'll see what happens here next week. Very long season. We've seen teams flop week one and then making deep playoff runs. It happens every year. So relax. We'll see exactly how it goes. All right, Nick. Anything else? You good?
1: That's it, man. I mean, just kind of want to be done and over with this game. wasn't didn't live up to the hype. And we, since January sixth, will since the Mm -hmm. double doink, I've been looking forward to this game. And that's this is what it was. Ten to three. It's
0: it's been 249 days since the last Bears victory, and we still need to wait a little bit longer. So Club Dub remains closed until further notice, and hopefully those doors open up here soon. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. On behalf of my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, this is a little bit signing off. Again, we want to thank each and every one of you who tuned into the show, no matter what streaming service you're using or if you're listening to us on the podcast as well. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. And I really appreciate you listening to the entire show because uh, I understand just how frustrating this game was. I really, really do. But again, we'll be back next week. We're going to you know, put our nose back to the grindstone here on the podcast and prepare for the Denver Broncos. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>